0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Okay, good afternoon. Gosh, I hate to interrupt your concentration to talk about concentration. Everybody's so nice and settled already. Yeah. So, we've come to the end of our year. This is our last meeting. And, uh... We'll spend some time looking back. Uh, There is, of course, the day-long retreat that I hope many of you can come to. I, unfortunately, won't be able to be there. Um, I knew that all along. And uh, so Liz and Bruni and Kim Allen from the Santa Cruz group will be there. And it'll be a coming together of the Santa Cruz group and the Modesto group and all the people who've been doing this program Along with us this year, so it should be really great and I hope hope you can come. but I know a lot of you can 't come, so we 'll try to have a kind of closure uh, sense today also so um, really, this last three factors of effort, mindfulness, and particularly concentration are bring us into the meditative uh, part of the program: the mental cultivation, what we learn from from coming to sit, and still the mind and Look inside and quiet ourselves, and allow something more than the usual worries to emerge. So um, it's. Uh, uh, Bernie's gonna. I'll. I'll see what Bernie has to say before I say too much more about uh, the meaning of concentration. And you know, the word. I'm sure Bernie will touch on the word and issues that we have with English translation and really getting a feeling for what this is about. So. So I'll let her do that. Um, Does anybody have any questions or anything? Anything you want to bring up or ask about anything that's over the last month or anything so far? You just want to sit, I think. (laughs) (laughs) As I get here, yeah.
1: This might be a preemptive question. But it's curious as to what are the next options if we want to keep building our practice where we should go next? Because this is kind of the introduction, right, of the right. Eightfold Path.
0: Right. Yeah, that is a great question. And I don't really know the answer. Gil is building up quite a bunch of year-long study programs that he plans to offer kind of in rotation. And so I'm not sure which ones are coming up next year. Um Liz has something to say about this. So
2: there's one um, that you'll be able to enroll in this summer called, uh, it's already been in the newspaper um, about deepening the path. So some of the uh, deeper kinds of meditations and um, reflections and learnings. So you might be interested in looking at that. Um, Some people do multiple years of this Eightfold Path Study. So the Path uh, Eightfold Path will be offered again next year you're welcome to repeat it uh, we've repeated it for a number of years each of us and we've found it extremely almost fruitful almost got it <laughs> yeah.
3: we keep repeating almost it every there. single day
2: <laughs> so it's a, it's a lifelong practice and it, it bears fruit to go through it again if that's where you're, where you're coming from so those are two things that I'm aware of that are starting again next fall Yes.
0: Oh, the mic.
4: Oh. Uh, this isn't a question, but maybe it's a little feedback or a story on myself um, about some of the practices um, um, that were sent to us regarding mindfulness. Uh, yeah, so, so sometimes like one week there was an instruction to to um focus on a particular aspect of mindfulness that day and then another one the next day and so forth for the whole week and I'm just not the kind of person who's ever going to do that. (laughs) I shouldn't say ever, you know, maybe, you know, maybe with the great unfolding, um, I'll settle down enough to where I say, Oh yes, that's right for me. But, but, um, instead what I'll do is if a, um, situation comes up or a stressful time of life, you know, I, I will look at two or three or four of those aspects, you know, uh, in response to that difficulty. And, you know, things work out, I'm happier, and sometimes it works. But but one a day, uh, uh, but I I recognize that's probably a great method for many people. Just what you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, my experience is more like yours, and I think once we're familiar with all these, with all the different aspects of mindfulness, or the, the, I think part of that was also, one of those instructions was for the um, factors of awakening to look at every day so some of that that instruction would be more a way to just try to get you to think a little about and maybe have some of your first experiences of awareness of those things by making it the topic of the day you know so people whose minds work that way could see it in the morning like today I'm going to try to catch this one a few times and learn something about it and then the more you're familiar with all of them they do interplay and interact the way that you're talking about so Definitely, right, right. Uh, oh.
2: oh, Did you
0: have something to say? Uh, yeah, yeah, but but. Go ahead. but Let's see. I'm um, speaking of the seven factors of awakening. I um, c- kind of was surprised by that um, weekly reflection because it um, we didn't really cover it in the um, meeting on right mindfulness. And so it kind of was a little bit new of trying to um see what those were and i I know I could read the online article and so forth but um it it felt kind of like um wasn't really broached, and so i don't know if you and yet today's concentration are going into concentration for me today's concentration yeah, I think that's true uh, um we we didn't The fourth foundation is quite a rich list of all kinds of ways to practice and to move the practice into the deeper territories, and we didn't spend much time on it, so you're right. It is kind of hard to get that cold. That is another thing that's being offered a lot is a whole year-long course on those seven factors, and so I think that's a great thing to take next if you wanted to. It's really touching on the, the pattern that we're going to explore with concentration today where Just the the joy of being present, the gladness that you have a path and a way to approach things brings you into presence, and then that brings up this kind of joy that isn't related to, you know, having ice cream or having your life working out particularly. It's just the kind of joy of presence, and then that calms down into tranquility and develops concentration and so it's kind of this this path of the rising energy of joy and then the settling down into concentration and equanimity that is uh, pointed to by that list but we haven't talked much about it so
2: uh, when i broached that list last month you're right i was very brief about it but what i said is still a feeling that i have about it that if the first three mindfulness and investigation and energy or effort, if we focus on those, we just apply ourselves to mindfulness, right mindfulness, investigating things a little bit, exploring things a little bit, and then you know, balancing our energy so that we put enough in but not too much in, not too little in. The other things, as Chris was just describing, tend to roll out of it. We tend to then develop into joy arises by itself. We don't make it happen. Tranquility settles in by itself. Concentration settles in, not, without, not with no effort, but it settles in kind of of its own accord, and equanimity is the fruit. So I, I sort of, that may be a personal interpretation of those seven factors, but I spend most of my uh, focused effort on the first three, and the others proceed, so if that's of help.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And, I mean, my my best experiences of these things were long before I knew anything about it, and I just sat down and was doing my best to do the practice, and wasn't bothered by any lists or anything. <laughs> and looking back, I can see, yes, that's what happened. So you know, it's it's definitely part of how the practice can unfold.
3: Yeah, and I want to mention that you know, one of the um, one way to approach were to how to practice or what to do next is take take some time to reflect on what, what you have learned, what you have discovered about yourself by going through this uh, cycle of the Eightfold Path and see what comes up out of your wisdom in terms of Uh, any curiosities, what to explore, what to continue practice. It may be be just continuing coming to IMC. It may be continuing practicing mindfulness. It may be taking a class in another place or being here or meeting with a friend. The possibilities are infinite. (laughs) So.
0: Okay, I'll turn it over to Liz here for our... Sit.
2: So we'll, we'll be spending the next half hour um, meditating. And um, I want to invite you to find you know, a comfortable and alert way of sitting for yourself and to take these first few minutes of the meditation just to notice how you are right now. Give yourself some time To see what kind of conditions of mind are present, what's going on with your body right now, any emotions that you're aware of. It's very useful to begin by noticing how you are at the beginning of a meditation. By the way, if anybody cannot hear me, please raise your hand, otherwise I'll speak at this volume throughout the meditation. And as you notice how you are right now, extend. Some awareness to the fact that this is a form of caring for yourself, <clears throat> respecting yourself, maybe nurturing yourself a little, even maybe a feeling of reverence towards what you will discover in your own experiencing as you sit in meditation. This is not about anyone else at this moment. Not about somebody who's not here. It's not about anybody who is here. It's really time that you've carved out for yourself to become aware. So allowing yourself to offer yourself this time as you settle in and recognize what's happening now the first form of care we offer ourselves is simply the posture allowing yourself to adjust so that your body feels comfortable and yet it's attentive, it's alert, it's somehow more fully present as it arrives here. Perhaps it's really here, it's really intent on being here. Letting your posture, your chest, your spine. Be engaged in the noticing, the being aware of, the mindfulness. And perhaps taking a few long, slow, deep breaths as part of this connecting to your body, heart and mind fully as you exhale more fully, perhaps letting go of any cares or concerns that were with you before you sat down, perhaps easing into the meditation. releasing anything that can be released. Softening or relaxing what can be softened or relaxed. As you let your breathing return to normal, perhaps bringing your attention gradually through the body, beginning with the scalp, letting yourself feel the scalp, feeling what's there. And with the exhale, perhaps softening or releasing any tension, releasing. allowing the attention to take in and feel the sensations in the face the forehead, the area around the eyes the temples, the cheeks the lips, the jaw feeling the face And as you exhale, allowing some softening, some relaxing. And letting the attention flow down through the neck to the shoulders. Feeling the shoulders fully. Whatever is present. Exhaling and allowing whatever releasing or softening can happen in the shoulders. feeling the sensations in your arms and your hands. And as you exhale, relaxing the arms and the hands Allowing the attention to take in the feelings in the chest, in the ribs, the front of the ribs, the back of the ribs, the upper back, feeling all of what's happening there. And as you exhale, releasing or softening the chest, the upper back, the area around the ribs, softening. bringing the attention to the feelings in the belly. From the diaphragm all the way to the floor, the pelvic floor, feeling the sensations of the belly, the mid to lower back, And as you exhale allowing some softening of that area, perhaps allowing the belly to relax fully and hang forward off the body. Releasing, letting go. Bringing the attention (coughs) to the hips, the legs, and the feet, feeling the sensations of hips, legs, feet. And as you exhale, releasing, softening in the hips, the legs, and the feet. Feeling the full body all the areas together. This is where you're experiencing the lived life of this moment. Letting any thinking that's going on Settle or perhaps drift to the background and attending fully to the body, breathing. Paying attention to the breath as the vehicle for learning what is happening as you are present right here and now. Letting awareness be fully with the in-breath and the out-breath as they occur one after the other. perhaps allowing various words to help you in being present. Letting the attention be attuned to the experience of breathing. Becoming intimate with breathing. Intent on staying present for each in-breath and each out-breath. to allow yourself to trust that all you need do is to be present for the next breath. Trusting you're being present for breathing. that there's some way within you of being attentive to the breathing that brings some stillness to the mind. Can you recognize some form of stillness that supports you breathing in and breathing out? some steadiness, some ease. Perhaps there's a quiet way being interested in the subtle sensations. To simply be with the breathing. No need to control it or be looking at it, looking down at it. Maybe it's more like you're being in the ocean as slow waves of breath lift you up and lower you down. Sensations like gentle waves lifting you up and lowering you down. where the awareness is intimate with the sensations of breathing. And if there's any way that you hold yourself apart from breathing, being caught in commentary or analyzing or judging, anything that's keeping you distant from the breathing, if that's there, maybe you can realign that so that it's helping you be interested in the breathing, being present with it or closer to it. If you're not distracted by thoughts, if you're present with your breathing, either just being with it or gently investigating it, being curious, allow yourself to feel some contentedness that you're doing it right. There are a lot of ways to be present And whichever way you're experiencing it, if your mind is coming back again and again to the sensations of breathing or interest in the breath, if you're focused on the breathing, focused on what's happening here and now in the body, assume you're doing it right. Simply being with how you're doing it and being aware. simply allowing and coming back again and again. Perhaps noticing if there are ways you feel more settled, more settled in, more steady, even a little bit more ease or calm or contentedness than when we began this sitting. Noticing however you're present. Maybe there's even a little bit of contentedness or happiness in just being here. Even if there were times you were a little bit distracted or caught in thinking. Notice if there are ways that you feel some small difference now than when you began this sitting. Even a little bit more ease in the feet and legs, the hips, back and belly, the chest and shoulders, the arms and hands, the face, the scalp. there's even a little bit more ease than when you started this meditation in the energetic quality of your body that might feel a little bit more connected or steady if so take a few moments to recognize it and just recognizing what's here now. Perhaps taking a few long, slow, deep breaths and feeling your body, feeling the chair or the floor. Feeling the room around you. And taking your time, when you're ready, you can open your eyes.
3: Said several times, many times, once in a while, we'll hear it from teachers that um, talks. All sometimes are given by direct experience. Um, they're given also through words, but sometimes the transmission of the teachings go you know, come to us through that direct experience of feeling it, receiving it. And I just had a sense that with Lee's meditation, um, she just gave that kind of a talk in wise concentration. uh, Because they were the... kind of conditions to prepare to enter into samadhi. I will talk about the word. There was a sense of kind of a uh, subjective experience, feeling what it feels like. And kind of an expansiveness. So, um, because I'm supposed to say some things, I'm going to do that, but really all all has been said um, in you know in my experience right now with that meditation. but here we are, wise concentration and i I want to start with what Liz um, Chris mentioned about the word <clears throat> the the English word "concentration," I don't know if um, if it really conveys um, what is being uh, explained in in the teachings um, through through the Pali Pali words, uh, especially because in in the West. Um, there is this conditioning. There's different conditionings, but there's also a strong conditioning uh, in striving, in doing, um, and that sets also some conditions to to interpret this word concentration as as a project, as something to do. And so I want to expand, really, what, what, what wise concentration is by using the Pali word, and I will go through um, explaining some, some things here, but uh, I will use more um, sama samari, sama samadhi, And... Um, You know, there are different ways in which uh, different teachers have uh, said, what is this sama, samadhi? But more than um, something that is done and something that is achieved, is almost like a state of being that we enter into. It's a quality um, that we cultivate, the state of being a state of mind. It's a subjective experience. That's what I love so much, Liz um, Meditation. Samadhi has this these, um, kind of subjective way of uh, relating, conveying that uh, steadiness, settling into, connecting all those are different ways in which people explain samadhi. Cleansing, um, bringing together, collecting, gathering, stabilizing. So all those different words um, leads into almost kind of a process, something that or, or, or something that you enter into. And I, I would say that through my practice, when I started practicing, concentration was like something... It was concentration. Now it has transformed into samadhi. It was something to do. It was something dry. It was something that it will... you know, It will be, oh, okay, I, I, I'm focused uh, in my daily life... But that goes like this, so I just, I'm not going to pay very much attention to it. But it has transformed into really something almost sacred. Almost as a place of um, connecting in a spiritual way or... um, With a sense of gratitude um, with a with a sense of receiving, so uh, that is the flavor that it has in my mind it almost i I feel touched by it um, that um, how it's, it's fascinating to me to see how how it has been that relationship to Samari so <clears throat> this state of being, this state that we enter into, um, has, can have different stages, different levels. You know, we, we we may be practicing samadhi in our daily lives and we don't even notice. But there are three main ways. There, there are many ways. Let me start with that. But there are... Um, in my experience, there have been three ways, three main ways that I have practiced samadhi. One is what is called uh, one-pointed, one-pointed samadhi, where you take one object, you take the breath, or um, you, you you direct the mind to place to apply the attention and sustain the attention into the breath, into maybe the body or sounds, there's an object that is chosen. But it's not so much to investigate the object. It's really more the the gathering, the collecting, to then receive what is happening, Subjectively, in your experience of meditation, what 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 arises, like Liz mentioned um, or Chris, something you know that uh, Samadhi as as a fruit uh, of that process of that state um, that we enter into. So. Um, We bring all of us, all of ourselves, you know, our uh, fully, like Liz mentioned, our emotions, um, our minds, our bodies, we're in harmony, we're aligned, fully present here, applying and sustaining the attention. We're not fragmented. It's not like uh, an exercise that we do from the mind, less, you know, con- like like almost like, uh, counter, uh, like you know, being in a control tower, like sometimes we say, or, but it's more like we bring all of ourselves into that moment of practicing samadhi, and uh, that uh, that type of samadhi in the tests is called calm abiding. Sam- Shamata, Bhav- uh, uh, Shamata bhavana, the development of the development of calm, abiding or serenity. So the number two type of uh, also samadhi that we can practice, also that we practice uh, here. In in IMC is. Um, is the, the, the practice where we are aware of what comes into the field of awareness, but there's no preference of object. Every, you know, There's objects that come and we see them, we see the arising and passing of the object. And so there's a continuity that, that happens by us Being aware, you know, by by being with a continuity of awareness, by coming back here fully present, we see that objects pass, come and pass, come and pass, arise and passes. And as we develop samadhi, you know, we may go deeper, 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 deeper into seeing that arising and passing. There Also, different levels that we call levels of absorption uh, in samadhi. That then there are other states that are developed, and and other insights that happen when we recognize that samadhi is also uh, present with mindfulness. You know, like we are practicing mindfulness and samadhi together, which is another way to do it. So. The third one, um, oh, I'm sorry, and that one is called vipassana bhavana. So we have shamatha bhavana, vipassana bhavana, and then we also have what um, uh, we call the the divine abodes. Or uh, we start with metta, loving kindness, practicing loving kindness, and that's how I started my practice. Was you know being mindful mindfulness in daily life, but metta was the focus for many years. So with metta, with loving kindness, we develop. It's a purification practice, which is another way in which samadhi is described. Uh, but um, is uh, with loving kindness, we repeat the phrases, or um, we generate. Um, these states of um, wellness or uh, states of goodwill to ourselves and others. And then there's a a samadhi that is developed by, by the repetition, by the continuity. So in daily life, you may be developing some samadhi. Now, we're talking here about the samadhi of the eightfold path. Yeah, so there's some peculiarities of that samadhi because we may be focused in our daily lives in you know doing a task or um, doing a task or um, engaging into an activity. But there's some uh, specifics for wise samadhi, for sama samadhi within the Eightfold Path. And one is that is wholesome, that is wholesome, that meaning that um, is free from greed, aversion, and delusion, and that is free from forces that take our mindfulness away. And those forces, we call them, in the tradition, we call them hindrances. So, why Samadhi of the Eightfold Path is wholesome. um, it, It has this aspect of one, pointedness. And then, as I mentioned before, it functions with mindfulness. It functions with mindfulness. Now, there are different teachers and at different times in this tradition, there have been also other um, ways in which Samadhi has been said that, you know, you can, has been said, or different approaches besides the three that I just gave you, the Samatha, the Vipassana, and the Loving Kindness. Some people said, well, you can practice samadhi only you know on one pointedness others have said you can practice vipassana the arising watching the arising and passing of the objects with um, the being aware being aware of the continuity of uh, uh, this kind of redundant uh, continuity of awareness or you can pa- practice all uh, both together so This is to say, there are many different ways in which samadhi is experienced and is being taught. And in the readings that uh, you have assigned, I think that Bhikkhu Bodhi even talks about 40 types of uh, ways of practicing samadhi. So... know that if there's something that I want you to remember from all this is that it is a subjective experience and that within the practice of samadhi, we all can have a unique practice of samadhi depending on what works for you, what helps you setting the conditions for a specific type of samadhi. For me, practicing metta for years was the practice. And then I, start, I started expanding into one-pointedness, more, you know, more focused as attention, applying and sustaining the attention in one object, and then into open awareness. But note that there's no a specific right or wrong way. There are many ways to practice Uh, Samadhi, wise Samadhi. And so another approach is one approach that we've been taking since we started this program and is using all the preceding factors of the Eightfold Path to support wise Samadhi. Of course, you know, Samadhi, uh, wise Samadhi, Sama Samadhi is... Uh, the eighth factor is one of the factors of the category of cultivation and development of the mind, and wise effort and wise mindfulness support you know you all, go, all these three com, go together in the cultivation and development of the mind, but all the factors support support these um, <clears> this <throat> activity these these process these uh, intention on developing unification of mind collectedness in the mind, and so we do that by orienting you know our our, our practice through wise view, you know exploring how it is that and, and we go deeper into this exploration that's what is those factors of wise view, um, factors of wisdom in the Eightfold Path, wise view and one's intention, they go back. They go back at the end of the Eightfold Path. It's almost like you start with them, you continue with them at the end too because you see deeper how it is that we suffer and and through samadhi, we can move into freedom from suffering. But uh, this approach of going through the Eightfold Path using wise view, wise intention, within wise intention, developing loving kindness, developing compassion, developing, practicing letting go, shedding, 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 which as we go deeper with samadhi is one of the fruits that we get. It just... um, Letting go into freedom. Letting go into freedom clarifying what what is important to you, what really matters to you. Your interest shifts starts shifting into what what brings you ease that ease that Liz talked about that peace. Uh, that uh, steadiness, collectedness, but in a way that maybe we're more aware that we, we that that it it would not be helpful to clean in a way that we enter into these states of samadhi but without clinging. And I'm mentioning that because. It is one of um, it is one of uh, I, I will say the warning signs in the practice. Um, I, I remember through all these years of practice, different uh, yogis and uh, books and teachers talking about how wonderful these different states of mind. Um, Uh, can be, you know, obtained through Samadhi. And, you know, they're so great, especially, you know, after we're like suffering and really in misery or, you know, we're not really um, realizing that we have uh, a sense of um, uh, maybe inner responsibility of taking care of the garden of the mind, that a, there, it doesn't happen at random. That we can cultivate conditions, so we, we cling sometimes to those states, and then that's another set of problems. So um, just don't don't go there. <laughs> if you, you know, in the, I mean, we all go through it. So, but just you know, just warning you. So Samari is almost like a guidepost. It's, it's like a guidepost um, that, that um, guides you uh, through the practice that tells you where, where you're at within the practice. By seeing what, what is that, what, what, what is that is manifested in the body. As we go deeper again, we may experience serenity, and then there may be joy. And there may be, uh, sometimes we call that joy rapture. There may be excitement. There may be some fear of that excitement. Um, there may be a sense of happiness. And this happiness is is almost like a sense of contentment. It's like, um, I just love this image of um, in the tradition, there is happiness sometimes is explained as when you're really thirsty and you're in the desert and you get to that oasis of water and you, and you taste the water that, you know, when you're really thirsty and you taste the water like, like a sense of contentment. And that joy, like, you know, like seeing the, I mean, that really there's an oasis there, like, oh, yes, yes. So, um, so then uh, we go through, continuing with the Eightfold Path, we go through the factors of sila, ethics, or morality, And these are very supportive because it's really hard to go into states of serenity and tranquility when I'm concerned about, am I going to be caught because I stole something? Or is there a concern that doesn't go away? Or so, you know, speech, action, following the precepts, all that support kind of a preparation to go into samadhi. And so that is another thing that I want to say, and and this is part of um, the introduction to concentration uh, series classes that Gil gave recently. There is an aspect of preparing, and this has taken some time, and this has taken me some time to learn. There is a kind of a preparatory stage to go into samadhi. I mean, consciously. You know, we practice the eightfold path, but also, you know, it's like sometimes I'm like, okay, I have a lot of things to do. Let me just finish this so I can sit. And so it's like coming with all this momentum of the day and... And all these concerns, and I'm sitting, and I'm still thinking, okay, yes, I call that person later. Or, you know, I'm sitting, I'm sensing physical sensations, but, you know, there's a lot going on in the mind. So prepare, prepare yourself when you, you sit in the cushion or when you practice. You can start, if you're practicing mindfulness, at the beginning, you know, and there are different ways to do this, Prepare your space, the place where you're going to sit. And you can practice some metta as a way of, you know, preparing. You can do some chanting. You can clear the space. Prepare yourself. And like Liz was saying, you know, that interest and that intention of, I came here, I'm practicing. I have this intention. Let me put everything, you know, all my concerns, duties, obligations, I'm going to leave them at the door as much as I can. Thank you very much for this time. Let me just do that. I take care of, of those things later. Now I'm here fully. All of me is here. So it's so important for me. It's been a huge difference. To prepare, to prepare to going into, into that sacred space. It's almost like a sacred space. Patience, to have patience is another condition. And to check the attitude, to check that attitude, what is the attitude again? Is there's you know just to acknowledge it. Is there's greed? If there's striving? If there's wanting? Okay, is there? That's fine. Don't you know? Don't criticize yourself for that. Just call it. Just name it, and that will be fine. And so um, I want to to finish by some. Uh, you know, telling you a little bit of the benefits as we prepare and go into practicing samadhi by shamatha or vipassana or um, loving kindness or other ways, our thinking start. There's almost like a calming of the thinking. It's not that it's going to go away completely, but the discursive thinking. It just um, it calms down, and then there's you know the interest. There's there's a nourishment. There's a an enjoyment of these pleasant sensations in the body. And the Buddha said, I mean, the instructions of Samari, the Buddha directed us to enjoy those, nourish yourself. By those sensations, nourish yourself. Enjoy it. It's healthy. Sometimes we may be afraid of it or there may be other things coming up for us. But enjoy it. Enjoy it. It will support you with other practices. And then as we go deeper, 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 we may start to see more and more and more and more clearly How things are, kind of the nature of impermanence and how it is that we get caught in suffering or not, and how it is that we create like an independent self when really there is not an independent self. All these different identities, all these different things that we name and identify with that sometimes we clean so much we don't even realize that, you know, it's almost like being a fish in water, not even thinking that uh, <clears throat> we're, we're suffering by all the identification, clinging to it. So, why samadhi? Stillness of the mind, collectedness of the mind, gathering of the mind, benefits peace you can sleep better (laughs) Um, you can enjoy it there is nourishment there is understanding you can uh, experience it even in troubled times that going deeper deeper into a sense of equanimity letting go letting go of everything letting go of the clinging to everything moving into freedom so that's that's all I have thank you So now we're going to go into our breakout session. Yay! This is the nourishment and uh, cultivation of community here. So we're going to have groups of four. And so what about if uh, you find three more people and get into a group? And once you're in groups, I will give you the... um, questions to uh, reflect on and I will tell you how it is that we're gonna do it so go ahead and form groups of four maybe it's fine if we have a uh, five that's fine
0: right. right.
3: uh, four 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 yeah okay so <clears throat> the way in which we're going to do this I'm going to give you the questions for reflections and then you're going to have some time each person to reflect on it, and then you're going to go to the next person, and the next person will reflect, and the next person will reflect, and the next person will reflect, and we're going to have 15 minutes, okay? We're going to have 15 minutes to do our group reflection, um, listen to to each other, and then we're going to have six minutes to report back. And so... We're going to start since we're with samadhi, uh, practicing samadhi. Let's just have a moment to settle into the group and, and then I'm, I'm just going to drop the questions, like say the questions as you're settling in. Taking two or three... Deep breaths, and then breathing naturally and Just going back to the breath, or if not, being with your field of awareness, receiving any objects. My voice sounds... Physical sensations. And so the first question is What is your relationship to happiness and joy? What is your relationship to happiness and joy? And the second question is, how do you notice it's present when you're sitting? How do you notice that happiness or joy or... I will even include, you know, any other um, states of, you know, tranquility or calm or... How do you know that is present when you're sitting? Take a moment to receive the sound of my words. And so you can go ahead and you can begin. So it's time to close, Uh, so if you can finish and thank your group and come back to, to the bigger group, okay? Okay. Um are we recording this? Yeah. Oh. Oh, okay. So what did you learn? Anything you want to to share for the benefit of all. We're supporting each other here as we share our experiences and
5: One thing that I felt was a common theme among us was that happiness just alights on you and clinging is what makes it go away. Clinging makes it more difficult to have it come. Mm. When you're grasping at it, it, it's not likely to be there. It won't settle. It's just elusive. Mm. And so that seemed to be A common thread amongst us. Thank Mm. you.
3: Thank you. Anyone else?
0: So, another common theme for our group was that during meditation, we don't really experience happiness and joy in the way that you might think so much it's more sort of a calming peaceful feeling but we couldn't really define it as happiness and joy except maybe a little bit around meta sometimes so Mm -hmm. thank you I just wanted to say I noticed how um, happy I felt when other people talked about their happiness and uh, that <sighs> that. <laughs> <It's>
3: great, Mudita. <laughs> Thank you.
6: Yes, Nick. Yeah, and with that, I mean, uh, I, I agree with what um, uh, my, my group members have said. And also, uh, I kind of uh, maybe half discovered in myself in my own chair that you know um, happiness or tranquility or joy is just uh, it's it's more readily available the, the 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 more peace or the more internal calm that i 've allowed myself to have mm. so it 's not so much um, the Uh, uh, striving towards like happiness or looking for or when does it arise but it's it's uh, a surprise I think for me to 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 experience the happiness or joy that's that's sort of of more positive emotion right out of a sense of just calm I'm cool you know Mm. that that kind of thing
3: so Mm. thank you Nick
7: So what I um, experienced and in our, in our whole group experienced was the sense of joy being with each other and joy sharing common joys and and but but we didn't talk about the opposite of joy <laughs> and I'm probably there a lot, which is called judgments and when I got somewhere in this meditation is when I catch myself judging something or someone, there's a moment, split moment of joy. It's like, oh, there you are again. There you are again. Hallelujah. You can let go and you can be free. And so uh, I got that out of, out of the group. And then I thought, well, when I get on the freeway going home t- tonight, when I, that person cuts me off, or there's not a lot of joy and happiness in that. But maybe I can just go, aha, (laughs) maybe there is, Ah, yeah, that person is suffering and I will send them joy and just do that. So that's what I got out of this.
3: (laughs) Thank you.
1: I think I'll bandwagon with that sentiment and I was describing to my group that the more I nourish, not necessarily joy and happiness, because those kind of come easily, and just being appreciative in the moment with friends or loved ones, but the other positive mood states, the more it became clear, or more it is becoming clear, um, like how sick I was before. If, like, we're going to use that analogy, right? Like, oh, the better, more I improve these positive mood states, like, I'm like oh, whoa, you were really sick before, and when you catch it, you're like, whoa! <laughs> like, that's a pretty harsh judgment there for either yourself or someone else. Where is that coming from? I'm letting that go. So.
5: There was some discussion in our group about how that even seeking either ease or healing within the body or even simply... Turning up the corners of your uh, mouth and smiling—that in some ways, that those conscious efforts of the body, um, attention to the body, uh, changes the things that are in your mind. It's mm-hmm. hard to be—it's hard to be angry when you're, you know, you're smiling. Or in some ways, um, the ease as you seek more ease in your body there's a, um, a contentment. Mm-hmm.
3: I feel happy and I notice that but joy is not I don't
0: I don't know I don't really recognize joy as much
5: Okay. Okay.
4: I am still after all these years uncertain how to distinguish the meaning as used in these teachings surrounding um you know, uh, concentration practices between happiness, joy, rapture, do the teachers themselves really understand how it was meant back in the poly days
0: <laughs> back in the poly days definitely not now maybe <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's yeah. it's some of these are different translations of the same word and you know, as often there's 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 two states that are distinguished often in the progression. One of them is piti, which is what we're translating as joy here, but also rapture. And then there's oh now I've forgotten the word for sukha for happiness, which is the opposite yeah. of dukkha. And so the way I understand it, but don't always experience it, I've experienced it every which way, but there's a certain, as you kind of begin to let go, there's a certain bunch of energy that's freed up, kind of, you know, and, and so there's a kind of kind of high energy happiness. It's not always necessarily happy that we were talking about. Sometimes it's almost unpleasant at such a high energy release, but there's a kind of bodily high energy. And when, then, when you let go. What? As you let go. As you settle and let go and the energy collects and gets kind of you know, more focused, there's a kind of high energy state. And then that high energy state chills out and transitions to a more warm, sweet state. And so as I understand it, those, the more sweeter, warmer kind of state is what's called Tsuka. And the more high energy kind mm-hmm. of rush, little bit of a quality to it is called Piti. But then there's umpteen degrees in between and back and forth and round and round and slightly and a lot and all kinds of different things. So that's my understanding of the two classical words. that
2: that graduation that uh, Chris was just alluding to, that it's a continuum um, where one thing slides into another, is one factor. And the other, I would say, is I'd say it a little bit differently, rather than as you let go... I'd say, f- from my experience, as letting go happens, yeah. you know, I didn't make it happen. It just, whoosh, there it is.
4: And but anyway, the progression is always toward a more a calmer, more serene, more tranquil kind of well-being. Instead of a yippee or high energy or uh, c- kind of... Uh,
0: Happiness. Yeah, but you know, you might not experience it that way if you were sort of dull and sleepy and then you got more focused. It might seem like it's going into a higher energy state, so depends.
3: And and I will add to that that, you know, for me, it it moves more into equanimity because there's something, yeah, it's more as, you know, being at peace with how things are that then there are other other states involved but um yeah more into into an equanimous mind deep deep equanimity yes
0: and just back to what your group said the more you try to cling to this and understand it and make it happen the more oh yeah you know. don't you can you can't <laughs> so, grasp happiness anyway right <laughs> right but if you would, the
4: butterfly might land on but
0: this is what the words are traditionally meaning
5: it was my understanding from what you just uh, said I thought that when you describe the difference between sukha and pita, is it? Piti. Mm-hmm. Piti, thank you. <laughs> um, sukha is a calm happiness, and piti is an energetic happiness. Thank you.
3: you know, there's, um, for some of you that have uh, Bhante Gunaratana's book, he offers different images or analogies in terms of how to describe joy and happiness and other other states, um, it, it may help.
6: I was just going to bring that up because you mentioned the analogy of the oasis, and he uses that one. And he says, when you see the oasis in the dif- in the distance and you get all excited, that's joy, and you go for it. And then you take a drink of water and you say, ah, and that's happiness. So, what you guys were saying.
1: I actually don't know if I have a comment anymore.
6: Yep. Thanks.
3: So, okay.